God. But this morning, just welcome you back. We're, we've been, we started a series last week, and, and it's just called Changed. And we talked about the gospel and the impact that the gospel has on us. But I want to talk about the gospel in me, or, the, or gospel in you. And uh, I just want to, we're, we're talking about how the gospel impacts our lives and changes us. You see, we talked about the gospel means good news. It's good news. But last week, we, we answered the option, what is the gospel? We said it was good news. And what does the gospel do? It changes lives. And so over the past next seven weeks, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to begin to get in into depth and talk about the gospel, how it changes our lives, how, how our, it changes our marriage, it changes our attitude and our, our ability to work. And not only that, our finances, our church, and the community. We're living in an hour. Let me, look at me. This is in your notes. We're living in an hour right now. And we're living in a time and a day when you preach, you know, if you preach, it, you're, you're branded legalistic or judgmental if you preach the Bible and the truth of the Word of God. You know, I was so reminded this morning when I was thinking about that, it, it, and before I get into the message this morning, and, and, and I just want, it's, it's 2 Timothy 4, and it says, For time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. You know, there, there's, guy, there's a guy in, Central, in South America right now that's going around telling people he's Jesus. There's people right now in America that are centering a gospel around themselves as a person. You've heard of Jim Jones. You've heard of David Koresh. You've heard of all that stuff. We don't serve Kool-Aid here, all right? But the bottom line is, is that there are people that are centered, they, 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 they preach a gospel that's centered about, around that person, or it's about what you can get, what Pastor Josh was saying a while ago, or we can make a deal with God. But I realize this, when I see what the gospel is, when I see what the Bible says about who I am, it's my will being crossed by the will of God. And see, I believe this. When you allow God to come and change you on the inside out, all of a sudden you don't need to get hit by lightning to glow. All of a sudden you begin, you begin to glow. There's something about you. And people go, I don't know what you got, but i got to have some of that. And so this morning, in each of the messages, we're going to share the real stories of people that have been impacted and in our church and how the gospel's changed them. Today we're going to look at the gospel and how it changes us as individuals. And see, this morning, what I want to do is before, we, before I preach or anything, I think we have one of the greatest testimonies. You're gonna, we're going to show it on video here. It's one of our guys. His name is, is uh, Chris Smith, and he's actually at our Eunice campus. And I'm not going to tell the story, but we're going to watch the video and just let Chris just share with you what Jesus did in his life and how he changed him from the inside out. Go ahead, guys. My name is Chris Smith. I was saved August of last year, and this is how Jesus turned my life upside down. I was brought up in a family in the Ku Klux Klan and Aryan Brotherhood. So for the first 16 years of my life, I was taught that you hate people for their skin color. You don't associate with people because of their skin color. I got in so much trouble in my town that it was best for me to leave. So I joined the army at the age of 16 and went into the infantry and they trained you how to kill. So it just breeded a cold heart, and I was very angry all the time. I went to Iraq during Desert Storm. When I came back from Desert Storm, I was a person who was angry 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Getting mad, I would cuss people out all the time. I'd go to the gun range and shoot targets and pretend it was people. Um, get drunk a lot. Get very angry when I got drunk and then try to fight with people. Um, all of my relationships, whether it be with friends or our girlfriends, ended because I, I had no clue how, how to love somebody. Last year, I, I broke up. Me and my ex-girlfriend had split up, and I felt like that everything I did was wrong. Nothing was going to ever be right in my life. So I had a gun in the closet, and I went and stuck it in my mouth, wanting to end it all, but I just couldn't do it. And 10 or 15 minutes later, one of my friends from work called and we got to talking and he told me the best thing for me to do in my life was to get on my knees and to pray to God. After, after praying to God, 
I started looking on the internet at, at churches around here. I knew I needed to get connected with a church, but I always had a misconception about people at church because they wear suits and ties and, and they dress. That's the way you had to go to church and that's what was expected of you. And I've had people in my past tell me when you go to church, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this. And that wasn't what I was feeling. When I first walked into the doors at OSC, everything that I thought was, was totally different. People here were very, very inviting, very open, sharing. You could tell that they cared. Pastor Jamie actually sat down and talked to me for about 20 minutes to find out what was going on in my life. And you could tell that he actually cared. He wasn't judging me by the way I dressed or how I talked. It was made me feel like I was home here in OSC. When I first started coming to church and, and I would go back to work and I would talk to my friends about it, the more I talked to them about church, the more standoffish they became. Um, these are people we used to drink with, go out and party with, go chase girls with. They seen me changing and didn't want to have anything to do with me. But friends I've made at church it doesn't matter, you can call them and tell them you're having a problem or go up and talk to them and they're there. They're there to assist you the best way that they can and give you the best advice they can, whether it be with scriptures, praying for you, or just sitting down listening to you and let you talk. I've noticed a big difference in, in, in true friends, not somebody who is with you because of what you do. Just being around fellow Christians helps pick you up and help you understand that this is a this is a journey. You don't get saved and boom, everything in your life is great. You, you don't sin no more. It's not like that, it's a journey. And over the year, I've noticed so many changes in, in the things that I do, the things that I say. The way that I handle situations is a lot different than the way it used to be. Until I got Jesus in my heart, and, and when Jesus came in my heart, I, I've learned how to love people, how to allow myself to love and trust people. I didn't do that before. Before my way, uh, it was either my way or the highway. That's how selfish I was. Being saved by God, He has taken that hate out of me. He's taken all that anger and hostilities out of me. The depression, the anger, the hopelessness is gone. I'm now a much happier person. There is hope for my future. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to the future. If you're sitting here for the first time in church today, hearing these words and, and you're bottoming out in depression and anger, pick up a Bible, read a Bible, talk to somebody in the church. God will save you, God will help you. There is hope for a better future. My name is Chris Smith and the gospel has changed my life. I love it. I love just hearing the story about Chris. And there's many of us that can relate to that. And, you know, it, it's like I believe today we're going to look at the life of someone in the Bible that God changed their life. And, and we're going to look, if you would go with me, to Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to read a little bit. Today we're going to look at a guy in his life, and his name is Zacchaeus. Many of you have heard the story, a little Bible story. You know, Zacchaeus, wee little man, climbed up the sycamore. We're, we're not, we're not going to sing the song. Uh, but we're going to look at his life, and he met Jesus, and, and how, but how he met Jesus, and, and, and the result of him, what happens when he met him. And so it's not just meeting him, but there was a result that took place when he met Jesus, and I believe we can all find ourselves in this story this morning. So somewhere, somewhere, and I hope, let me just say this, I hope that the story will show us what the gospel can do in our life this morning. So go with me, and I'm going to go ahead and read, and I'm going to be reading from the NLT. But before we read chapter 19, verse 1 through 9, it's amazing because I'll read the story, then I'll come back to that. But Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a, tax, he was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. 
When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come quickly down. I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But, and I I love it. You know what I've said. There's some good butts in the Bible and there's some bad butts in the Bible. It's where you put your butt, all right? He said, but the people were displeased. He had gone to be a guest of this notorious sinner. They grumbled. That's the crowd. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give you half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I know some of you praying that the IRS gets saved. But anyway, Jesus responded. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And I love verse 10. And it says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And see, this morning, let me just say this. Before even this story, if you know anything about the Gospels, you know, you got to read sometimes ahead. And in chapter 18, Jesus is going. He's on a journey on the way to Jericho. And there's a blind guy, and it's, it's Bart, or Bartimaeus. And he's crying out at the side of the road. And he's going, Jesus, he heard Jesus was coming. This is before he gets to Jericho. Zacchaeus is in Jericho. And you know the story what happened to blind Bart? It was kind of like this. The crowd said, shut up, Bart. He didn't have time for you. But he, he yelled a little louder and just goes, hey! And sometimes we allow the crowd of religion and religious people to say, stop being that way. I mean, when I got saved, I was on fire. With that quote, being on fire for God. I remember I, got, I was so on fire. I had someone in my family says, you know what? Why don't you go back and be the same like you used to be? Because you're like crazy for Jesus. I said, so you want me to go back, steal, lie, cheat, and all that other stuff and be mean to you and call you what I really think you are? No, that's okay. But see, here it is in this, before the gospel. See, what happens is, you know, it's a, but the people were displeased. How many of you know you can't listen to the crowd? How many of, the, how many of you know that, that inside your head, come on, now listen to me. How many of you know that you hear your voice sometimes? How many, let, me, let me ask a question. How many of you hear voices in your head? Like you're not crazy. Okay? There's God's voice. There's the enemy's voice. There's the crowd. Okay? And then there's that still, small voice of Jesus. It just calls us up. Calls us down from our tree, down from our circumstances. And so I want to go, let's look at before the gospel. Here it is. Jesus, verse 1 through 3, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man named Zacchaeus, okay? So we're seeing he was the chief tax. It's saying who he was in the region. He He was very wealthy, very rich. And he tried to look at Jesus, but he was too short. To see over the crowd. And there's a couple of things. In the Middle East, no one runs. Did you know that? It's not dignified for a man to run. And we know that he was short, okay, because he climbed up a tree. I, I'm five foot six and a half, all right? I'd say on my license, I'd say I'm five seven, okay? But, you know, I'm five foot six and a half, and I know what it is. If I get someone like, uh, like Billy, who's, how tall are you, Billy? Six four. Okay, if I'm trying to get a light bulb out, don't, I mean, it's, it ain't happening. I mean, he can just go like that. You know, there's people that can do things. You know what I'm saying? But here, here it is. It, it's like, what happens, he, we know that Zacchaeus was from Jericho and Jesus was passing through the town. So what happens is we know that he's a tax collector. Now, here it is. Tax collectors were not supposed to be rich. They just weren't. They were just supposed to collect taxes for the Roman Empire. But what happened is they used extortion. They would use their, their position to make themselves rich. They would skim a little top or tell people that they owed a certain amount. And that's what they would do. So they became very rich and they became very... So the Bible tells us he was the chief tax collector. He wasn't just a regular IRS agent. He was a regional IRS agent. Okay? And so what happens is he, he, was, he, he was this regional chief tax collector, and he was very rich. And tax collectors in those days, they worked for the Roman government. And so what happened, the Roman government would expect Zacchaeus to collect 
as much taxes as required and any amount left over of what was required of him to gather up, that was for him. That was for him. And see, you know, it's like, I, I know it was funny the other day, my, my son uh, and his, one of his best friends in the neighborhood, they had a lemonade stand. They made $66 for lemonade, or having a little lemonade. That's a lot, okay? And the, the thing is, I, I brought them back in, and I go, okay, guys, now, there, you know, just because you made $66, this is how real business works in, in our country. I said, you need to give, you need to give at least $23 to the federal government. They go, what? What did they do? They build streets. They do different things. And not only that, that not, just the, not just the United States wants it, but the state of Louisiana. So you need to get $7 out for that. And not only that, the city of Jennings, they got to pay for schools and roads and maintenance. And you need to give at least $2 out. What? And then you got to go buy cups. Because daddy and mom ain't buying the cups anymore. Not only that, you got to go get your own lemonade. Well, then we don't have any money left. Well, guess how? That's the rest of the world. That's how we feel. You see, what happens, you imagine, he goes to the door. People are intimidated. How many of you, if the, how many of you, one of the greatest fears you have is the IRS coming to your doorstep? Some of you, you'd squeal like you just couldn't squeal. You'd just, I know five years ago I didn't do it. I mean, you just. I have a, a very good friend of mine. One day, he, he didn't pay his tax for you. Knocked on the door. The IRS came. And they said, hey, are you such and such? And he goes, who wants to know? He goes, we're with the IRS. And we want to know when you're going to pay your taxes. <clears throat> he had no plan. So they went down, sat down in, the, in his house, and they began to devise a plan and what he would have to do to pay back his taxes or go to jail. Okay, so here it is. These people are intimidating. He's small, but he got power. Don't ever. My my, my aunt, you say, you know, dynamite comes in small packages. And I go, yeah, I claim that. Anyway. (laughs) But see, because of the job Zacchaeus had, he was despised. He was rejected by his own people. He was considered a thief, an extortionist, a schemer. With, with the reputation of today's terms, a pimp or Bernie Madoff. You imagine, if you just listen to people's names, last names sometimes, it kind of gives you an indication. Bernie Madoff. Okay? So what happens is, here, here's what's happening. He probably had a very nice house. He had a nice mule. He had a nice carriage. He, but... There, there, but but not many friends outside of his occupation. He was the dirty side of the Roman government. See, he was the last person you expect to see change. How many of you have seen? I remember one of the last people I ever thought that I would see change was a guy that graduated from me for, uh, before me five years before I graduated, Our Lady of Fatima in Lafayette. And I remember he was the craziest guy I knew. His name was Dean Duyon. Funniest guy I ever knew in my life. He was my, one of my best friend's older brother. And we just idolized him. You know when you're young, you just, older, older people. I remember he was so crazy and wild. One day he, he got into photography. So he, 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 he'd get all these pretty girls and just take their pictures. Not bad pictures. Just take their pictures. He could have pretty girls and all over his room. And, you know, I, yeah, I got, how did you, you know, I mean, like, man. And I remember he needed a, a, a black room, you know, where you developed the film back in the old days, okay? A dark room. So he decided to paint his entire bathroom upstairs black from the sink to the fixtures without asking his mother. I was there the day that June Duyon found out that Dean Duyon had painted his entire bathroom black. You've heard of the, the album Back in Black? It was not back. I mean, I'm telling you, I heard a scream. That, yeah, I mean, I was scared. Ah! Moms, can you imagine? You go into your child's bathroom and it's all black? I mean, even the sink, the toilet, inside the toilet, he painted it black. It was just crazy. But you know the crazy thing is? This guy that I thought was the craziest guy in the world ended up giving his life to Jesus. Jesus. 
And man, I, I don't know how he did it, but I just remember he became, he used to be so, a certain way, then all of a sudden he changed to be something else. And I thought, wow, wow. First I thought, he's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy about all, now he's crazy about this Jesus stuff. I mean, you know, you had people in your family, you're like, Jesus stuff, you know, I don't know about that Jesus stuff. I mean, go to church, go to mass, go to, but don't give me all that Jesus stuff. It's scary. It's not scary when you just got your Bible opened on the coffee table at grandma's house, but when you actually pick it up and not just look at the pictures and start reading it and it becomes part of your life, you're changed. And see, I believe this for every one of us. When you see someone like Chris Smith, what you know what? What's interesting is that Zacchaeus, just like Chris, I mean, just think that the word Zacchaeus in the Hebrew dialect or the Hebrew means this. It means clean or pure. Now, Chris, he began to talk about sort of, he was part of the Ku Klux Klan. He was all, had all these things. He had anger. He went to war. Went to, you know, went to go try to kill people. Do all these different things. Couldn't find it. But there was one lady. It's not in the story, but there was this one lady began to share with him where it works about Jesus. And when he had gotten, when he was about to take his life, that, listen, don't tell me God doesn't use technology. He looked up churches in Eunice, and our Savior's church was the first church to pop up. And he went to church just because it said our Savior. He didn't know what it was like. He didn't know what religion, what denomination. He just going. And I believe this. I mean, how many of you here today come from a family like Chris's family? Where they, people, you have a reputation like Zacchaeus. People just go, hey, no way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the rest of you don't want to raise your hand, we know. We know who you are. See, here's the moment of impact. Look at me in verse 4 and 7. Then I'm going to get into the, what I want to share with you. So he ran ahead. This is Zacchaeus. He ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly come down. I must be guest. I mean, must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He was he was going to be a guest at, of the notorious sinner. They grumbled. What a contrast between the attitude of Jesus and the attitude of the crowd. Jesus came to seek and save. The Bible says that that which was lost. But the crowd can only stand by and criticize. Can I just look, look at me? The crowd will always criticize. The crowd will always criticize. You know, I mean, you've been watching the news. You know, the number, Christians are being killed by the thousands. And it's not just in the Middle East. You go to northern Africa, the heart of Africa. You go into China. You go all throughout the world. People are, are being, listen, there are people that are still being crucified in Sudan. In China, there are people that are getting their heads cut off. In Cuba, they're still having firing squads. Viva la Jesus! Down the castro! And it's victory in Jesus as they get shot. And you know, we're here, and God has given us the gospel here in America. We're the most generous country in the entire world. We, I mean, we have more Bibles than anybody else in the entire world. I'd love to show you videos when people in China in a whole village get one Bible. And they look at the Bible and they go, yes! And they start celebrating. They have one Bible for a whole village. Now we can look at, well, what, 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 which one do I want to look at? There are people that, that find out the word of God. People, that's why the Bible says hide God's word. I hide God's word in my heart so I will not sin against you. Because some of those people, there are people that in, that in other countries that have read stories where what happens is the Christians get thrown in jail. And what happens is they don't have a Bible. So they, they all share about the word of God that they memorized or they knew in their heart. And they use their own blood to pen the scriptures, to share with people on paper, toilet paper, whatever they can find to share with people. And I'm not here to freak you out, but I'm here to, see, I believe this. There's an impact. You know, what, what is the impact? 
It's when two objects come forcefully and they, and what happens is they contact one another. Just an impact. Boom! And see, I believe this. I believe when you come to a place and you go, God, I need help. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? Help. How many of you have been at a place where you just go, I need an impact. I need something to change. I need something to be different. I don't want to just go. I don't want to go to church and you can't tell if it's a church or a funeral home. I don't want to go to a place where you can't tell, you know, that Jesus even lives there. We don't know. I don't want to go to the church of the first frigid air where it's just cold and calculated and there's Pastor Popsicle preaching to everybody. See, I believe this. There are three ways to be impacted by the gospel, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. I'm going to be quick. I won't be long on this. The first way to be impacted is reposition yourself. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Eventually, there's something about Jesus that you got, that, that got his attention, that kissed and that made him curious. I think maybe it was blind Bart. He heard before. Why did he climb up a tree? Why did he run to go see Jesus? He had heard stories. He had heard things about him. Maybe he heard about Blind Bart. Man, you know Blind Bart? Yeah, I took taxes from him last year. There's a blind exemption, but I took it anyway. (laughs) And he ran. He must have heard. Wow, a miracle. Maybe it's something he saw. Or he saw someone else's life. They heard about Jesus. Maybe he was, he was drawn by the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God just began to draw him. What was it? Let me ask you a question. What was it that led you to Jesus? What was it? See, like Zacchaeus, we have to step out into something different to be, to be impacted by the gospel. People like him didn't normally follow the religious crowd, but something about Jesus made him do what was not normal. I believe Zacchaeus may have, may have thought he was seeking Jesus. But in reality, Jesus was seeking him. And he found He found the man he was looking for. The same is true for us. Sometimes we think we're seeking Jesus. Hello. But he's been seeking us. Sometimes we think, well, why am I going through? Why do I think this way? Why do I I struggle with these things? You ever wonder those things? Come on. Why is it me? No one else has this struggle. But why is it that I have to walk through? Why did I have to face the pain of that? Why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to walk? Because God can, God can turn whatever the, men, the enemy meant for evil. Come on, look at me. And God can turn it around for his good, for his purpose. And God can take your pain. And all of a sudden, it becomes like he takes your pain. He takes your suffering. He takes the things that we walk through. The tragedy we've been in part of. And he takes that and he uses it for good. Just like Chris on the, on the video. I didn't face some of the things Chris faced. But God used his pain to begin to cry out to God. If you're here today and you find yourself at a comfortable distance from Jesus, I pray that like Zacchaeus... You will sense the drawing of the Holy Spirit and reposition yourself. Look at me. Let me just be honest. There's times when I've had to reposition my heart. How many of you have ever just had a hard heart before? You didn't want to go to the family reunion. Come on. You didn't want to have to deal with people. How many of you know dealing with people is messy? How many of you know dealing with people can take longer than you want it to sometimes? How many of you go, I'm not going to that family function because, bro, there's drama at my family function. See, I believe this. If, let, let me just say this. If you face pain, bitterness, hurt, stress, I've learned this. You've got to reposition yourself. 
Look at me. As a pastor, I've been serving the Lord for 34 years. That's God. There are times in my life, can I just be honest with you? There are times in my life, I've never not wanted to serve the Lord, but there's times in my life that I've had to deal with sin in my own life. Sin of selfishness. Doing things that I didn't really want to do, but hated it. Times that I felt, how am I going to get out of this? Why do I struggle with this thing and no one else does? You ever wonder that? Or just when you just think you're doing good, someone comes and tells you you're just the same as you've always been. You ever know what I'm talking about? And you go, dang! How many of you have ever been just so mad at yourself, you've almost cussed yourself out? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many times you've been disappointed when someone promised you something? I say, I've learned this. Is it, you know what? I've got to reposition myself. I mean, you know, it's like Psalm 1. Blessed the man does not walk up the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he'll meditate it day and night. It'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of the living water, which yields its fruit in its season. I've learned this. Everything got a season. But i got to learn to reposition myself. In other words, when I want to get hard and I want to thrash out, that's where I go, God. I want to say that. I went, God, you knew what they did. You ever feel that way? But God, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to act like that. I've been a fool all my life. I don't want to start going back and being foolish. Lord, those things that I've been thinking about, those things that I've allowed in my mind, the thoughts that I shouldn't be having, the thoughts that I've struggled with. God, take those thoughts. God, you said you're a strong tower. I cast my cares upon you. That means like picking it up and like a football, throwing it. And he catches them and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. That we can confess our sins. And he's not judging us. He calls us son. He calls us daughter. But see, sometimes we think that we're, we're like an employee of God. Unless I, well, if I do this and I do that, and if I work hard and I really do this, and I, that's not what God's all about. Look, my, my children have done things, and there's times I, they've had to forgive me, and there's other times I've had to forgive them. Come on, mom and dad, how many times do you want to say something that's really on your heart and go, man, it feel good? You know, I look, at, I look at, you know, like mother arrested for slapping her child at Walmart. I'm thinking, I haven't done it, but I've been close. It's reposition us. Am I in the right church this morning? It's us coming to a place and saying, God, I can't do this. I need to trust you. I'm running towards you. You're seeking to help me. You're seeking to save me out of my circumstances. I'm lost. I don't know where to go. God goes, all right. Let me find you. The second thing is, look for Jesus. Zacchaeus repositioned himself to be able to see Jesus and be seen by Jesus. Sometimes when we reposition ourselves, we got to look past the cloud. We got to look past the fog. We got to look past the stuff. It's a goose hunter. I mean, there's some mornings, it's the fog. That's what you're praying for. Lord, bring a good fog. Why? Because the birds can't see you. And you start calling, they're looking, they're, I mean, and you get, I mean, if you're like some of the guys in here and it's only three weeks away now, is that right? Till teal season, I'm seeing it. I don't play golf, I hunt, and I fish sometimes, all right? So anyway, just pray for me. But you, 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 you're calling and, and all of a sudden they start coming and you go, oh, Jesus, the heavens have opened, thank you, Lord. See, when you can't see clear, you're kind of like that duck or that goose. You're just waiting. Any sound will do. Look at me. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you run to. Be careful for the sound that's in your heart and that's speaking to you. 
can I, can I be honest with you? I've been tripped up before. I've been like one of those, those geese. Just like, man. You know, yesterday I was, and I'm, I'm coming somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this. I have all these Labrador puppies right now. Okay? Anybody want one, come talk to me. I'm ready to get rid of them right now. They're beautiful. They're cute. But I've been working hard. And I have one that it's called Whitey Tidy that we be named. Okay? And Whitey Tidy is like the most obese puppy you've ever seen in your life. When I feed them puppy chow, she doesn't just get around the bowl. She gets in the bowl. She's not the most aggressive, but she's steady at it. And my wife goes, oh, my God, Bubba. Baby, she's going to pop. I mean, she literally looks like me. I didn't wear my girdle this morning because I felt like like a piece of boot end and my casing was getting tight, so I took it off this morning. Anyway, for the rest of you, you'll get it. I had surgery and all that stuff, so I'm supposed to wear it, but I feel, I feel good this morning. But sometimes, if you end up doing something, you really don't see what you're doing, it can mess you up. Actually, you can die from it. It can destroy your life. That's why he ran ahead where Jesus was. I need to find where Jesus is. Amen? Amen. So do you. And he made himself available, and it's, I love it, to, be, to see and to be seen. See, you'll, Jesus sees you. Can I, look at me. The Bible says he never, he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. But when we start believing lies, hello, and distortions, that's what a lie is. It's telling you something that you are that you're really not because you're a child of God. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. He, sacri- he made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for you and me. He doesn't condone sin. He knows that you'll deal with it, but he died for your sin. And he said, just come to me and I'll wash you. And then the cool thing is when you come to him and you've allowed him to wash you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees... The Father in heaven sees the blood, and that covers everything. You see, some of you walked in here going, man, I hope people don't see my problems. I hope that, I mean, you know, I hope I'm not walking in anger. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes, look at me. Yeah, everybody's going to look down after I say it. The Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. That sometimes you can look in people's eyes. I'm not looking in anybody's eyes right now. I mean, you can see pain. You can see rejection. You can see hurt. That's why we need to look in the eyes of Jesus. Because he has, there's Jesus contact lenses that he sees. He doesn't see. He's not going, aha, you finally came forward, huh? That's about time. He's not like that. He said, come on, get up, come here. My little girl messed her arm up yesterday. It wasn't bad. I told her, go get, some, go get some water and put it on a paper towel, and it might get better. Cold water. She did that. She comes in. Her mom comes home, I think, from a bike ride. Wherever she was. No, she was somewhere in her car. You know, it's bad when daddy's like, oh, just go do that. You know, when mama gets there, they're like, whoa, baby, what's mom? And, you know, she hurt my arm. So Tracy found some old sling that one of the boys had, and she's wearing it. Someone on Facebook saw it, and they go, what happened, Elaine, I think it was. I said, we just gave her attention and just ta-ta'd her, you know, whatever I said. It makes her feel better. Can you look at me? You look at me. Sometimes that's how God is. <laughs> but I hurt. Call me a baby. It's Okay. If God was Cajun, he is. How many of you know God tatas us sometimes? How many of you know when we're in pain, we like to, I, I hurt? Because we want attention. How many, want, how many, come on, attention deficit? Come on. We just want attention. 
But God's a good father. Some of you are so busy, your schedule is so full, you don't have room or time to pencil Jesus in. You need to plan an impact moment with Jesus. You just need to plan it. Today, when I wake up, there are times when I go, God, I need you. Not like, now! How many of you have ever been there? Like, I need you now, God. Not next week, not tomorrow, now. Some of us need to just set ourselves up for an impact. See, I believe this. No expectation, no visitation. If you're not expecting, don't expect. I mean, you can't come. Look at me. We don't want you to come to our Savior's church thinking God ain't going to speak to you. We want you to come with an expectation. Well, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know if it's Pastor Josh. I don't know if it's Pastor Jamie, Pastor Bubba, Pastor Zach. Can I mean to him? God's no respecter of persons. God is just looking for people that are available. But I believe this. If, you, if God sends somebody to talk to you, God never sends a person with an empty envelope. He's always got your name on it. And he wants to talk to you. You know, I, you see... You need to plan that impact moment where Jesus, you, where you're clear, you clear your schedule and you prepare for the impact. See, Zacchaeus' life forever changed because he did something he normally didn't do. What was it, Pastor Baba? He stepped out to see Jesus. <laughs> and he was forever changed. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Well, if I just get a bigger check. You know what? If you just do what God tells you to do at work, you may get rewarded with a bigger check. Well, my kids hate me. Well, why don't you change and ask God to help you be a better parent? Teach you how to forgive. Maybe if you walk in anger or you've been hurt, saying, God, I don't want this. I see it, and I know you see it. Can I just give it to you? Because you're looking. I don't want you to look at that. I want you to see me. We're kind of like, God doesn't see me. He sees my stuff, and he can't see me. Then get rid of your stuff. Just get rid of it. How many have been sick and tired of being sick and tired? Till you're just sick and tired. Then you literally get sick, and you get tired. You bring yourself in depression. Because you just, you know, well, how's it going? Tired. you always tired. Why don't you quit being tired? See, if you gave it to Jesus, whatever it is, you might sleep better. Oh, y'all not listening. The third thing is accept. See, this is what you have to do. Accept his invitation. See, I believe this. The Holy Spirit's here. He's going around going, hey, can we have a talk? Can we meet? Kind of like a life group. Kind of like, you know, the herd meeting. God wants, hey, man, we're going to meet. See, after Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, he quickly came down and took Jesus home with him. He was up for whatever Jesus had in mind. Let me ask something. Are you up for what Jesus has in mind for you? And he made himself available. You see, what was he up? He, you know, in that moment, he didn't care about He didn't care what he had. He didn't care about his reputation. The only thing that was important, that Jesus wanted to come with him to his house. It's kind of like, what is that old, uh, is that American Express, don't leave home without it? Listen, don't leave here without him. Don't Don't leave to go to work without him. Don't. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, if you're going to go have fun, go skiing, playing in the water, going hunting, going to a, a cell, don't leave home without him. You see, despite, despite his reputation, look at me, or despite your reputation. I remember a girl came to me one time. She said, Pastor Baba, 
people know who I am. I have a reputation. They just know that I'm, I'm this. And I said, well, I don't see you that way. And look at me. God doesn't see you that way either. Why don't you go make a Jesus reputation? And she has. I mean, she said, I'm just like a dog. That's how people look at me, Pastor Bubba. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You start looking to Jesus, and he'll change what your reputation is. I just realized this in life. People that are lost, they know that they're lost. No matter what your past sins are, your actions, your greeds, your filth, the condition of your heart. Zacchaeus was blown away that Jesus wanted to go home with him. You know what I'm realizing more and more as I get older? (laughs) Jesus wants to go home with you. But here is this. You got to make a home right here. It's right here. It's a home. How many of you have guests when you come, you like do extra yard work and you clean and kill dust mites? Okay, when my wife and I have someone and you know, like Pastor Villum or somebody come stay at our house or some people that we have come and man, I'm out in the yard doing something, my wife's in there. She's bringing deliverance over my house, you know. I mean, there's just stuff and we just work ourselves up to a tizzy and they come and you go, See, that's what it is. Jesus wants to come and live in our house, our home, our heart. What are we doing to prepare that? God, I'm getting all that junk out of me. That bitterness, I'm repositioning my heart, my home. God, all that stuff that hurt that I allowed them, I'm not carrying them with me anymore. I'm throwing them out of my bag, and I'm throwing it to you because you know what? I don't care about those things, and my reputation, it doesn't matter. I'm hiding behind you because you give me a new reputation. I believe, I believe that people that are sick, they don't have to be told they're sick unless you can't see it. I went and visited a young man this week, just prayed for him, and I said, listen, God wants you to do this, this, and this, and this. And I'm not here to tell you, but you know what? If you want to live a long life, and you want to be healthy and serve God and see your kids. This is what you're going to have to do. Then his mother told me the doctor came in after him, me and said the same thing. How many of you know that God, when he loves you, he talks in unison? He gives echoes sometimes. Are you listening, listening, listening? I believe he already knew how lost and sick Zacchaeus was. But I believe it was the condition that led him to go and see. To see Jesus. He knew where he was at. It doesn't say Zacchaeus was miserable and downtrodden and downcast. It just said he ran to go find out where Jesus was. If you read between the lines, is life as being a tax gatherer and being rich and having all the stuff wasn't adding up to like he thought it would be. And many of us, when we think we get this or that, or we attain a certain thing, how many of you know it doesn't give you all the joy and the happiness that you thought it was going to bring you? Just because you have a lot of Facebook friends, look at me. Doesn't mean they're going to show their face at your funeral. Like, he, so-and-so died. Like or comment? How do you answer that one? Like. See, if you get, if you're serving the Lord and your heart radiates, there's something that happens. And let me just finish. I'm going to be done, all right? Y'all ready? Y'all ready for me to get done? Five? Who give me five? Five, 10, 15. Anybody else? 20, 30. All right, never mind. These are new people. They don't give me. Look at me real quick. And it's in Luke. Chapter 9, verses 8 and 9 and 10, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, 
Boy, this is how we need to be when we stand before the Lord. He said, I give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. How many of you think that might be for real stuff? Jesus responded. He didn't say, you know, he went through and said all these kind of things. It wasn't a program. It wasn't, you know, a practice. It wasn't a procedure. He just started looking to Jesus, and, he's, and he was right there, and he begins to cry out. This is his cry. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. It means the son of God. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. What happened to Zach, Kias, can happen to anyone who trusts the Lord. Look at me. Anyone. See, here's the, here, here's the temptation. Anyone but me. You don't know my stuff. You, know my, you don't know my junk in my trunk. You don't know where I came from. I don't, but look at me. God does. And can I tell you something? God's here, and he's in a good mood. You know what I found out about God when I read the He's always in a good mood. Just don't cross his children. For some of you, go, wow, God's in a good mood? Meshe, he went to a festival. <laughs> no, they have festivals for him. God is in a good mood. And see, he was so impacted by the fact that Jesus wanted to spend time with him, he changed his ways and started doing things different. Instead of, getting, instead of getting, he started giving back what he, what he stole. He started, I ain't worried about what I, I'm going to give back. This impact led him to, to be, become, it, it, he became generous. Generosity was totally unlike the, what he used to be. Come on. He was a tightwad. I mean, if, if George Washington went for breath, he squeezed a little tighter to get more out of him. He was tight. Before he met Jesus, he didn't know what generosity was. I can only imagine how his friends and family freaked out that he changed. Oh, my God, did you hear what he did? He met that guy, Jesus, and because he met him, I mean, he's given, he went back to, did you hear he went to the Touchette house? And he talked to Mama Touchette, and he said he'd been ripping her off for 20 years. He paid her back four times with interest. How many of you know that might get around this region? You imagine if an IRS agent came back, you know, we're sorry, but we've been ripping you off for 20 years, and here it is with interest. But we'd all be looking at our taxes, wouldn't we? <laughs> and here it was. I can only imagine how, and you see, the religious folk, because here you got the crowd that grumbles. The religious folks around you should be complaining. You know, they should, you know, the religious folks around you should be complaining about you because your new life is causing them to be, be uncomfortable. Because you're not religious. You're changed. I love it. My 30-year class reunion. No, it was my 25. It's been so long, I don't remember. A girl came to me, and she goes, hey, Bubba, I heard you're a, a Jesus, you know. Um, I go, freak? She goes, that's it? I says, man, man, I am. I love him with all my heart. I looked at her, whose freak are you? I like that song, freak out. The question is, whose freak are you? When you are impacted by the gospel, you don't have to shout it from the rooftop. People can see it. Not only that, they can't deny it either. They see it. And they can't deny it. 
Look at me. Are y'all in the right place this morning? Okay, listen to me. If you're in the right place, God's waiting for you to schedule your impact with him that you'll never be the same. See, I've learned this. I'm not going to my grave, and I'm not going to be a boring pastor. I don't want to just like, you know, I don't want to be pastor disaster. Well, you come here and you're like, you know what, I, I, I just want to point to Jesus because, listen, if you're looking for me to do it for you, I can't do it for you. All I can do is just point. I'm a guide. Hey, this is how you do it. This is what happens. But when you do it, he's going to come in your life and he's going to change you. you got to just pursue him. But, you know, he's actually looking for you just for the pursuit. I remember looking at my wife and go, Tracy Cassidy. I remember looking at her, I'm going to win your heart. I told her that. And she was like, she didn't say it. She was like in her heart. She said, go for it, buddy. See if you got what it takes. I did everything I could to win the woman's heart. I guess it worked. 30 years later, she's still close. She's on the front row. She's my best friend and my biggest fan. And... She tells me the truth, even when I don't want to hear it. And I love her for that. Jesus is your fan. He's a fan of yours. He's in a good mood. Do you have an expectation for an an expectation for him? Let me just finish. Second Corinthians says. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. We're meant to change when we're impacted by the gospel. And that change, look at me, that change should never stop. Never. I've been serving the Lord 34 years, and sometimes when I think I just got it or I figured it out or I've overcome something, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or like I'm over that, I begin to realize I can't do it in my own strength. The Bible says that I'm weak, but the thing I I love is that, but He is strong. He's made strong through our weaknesses. That's us coming to the point saying, you know what? I need God. Because you know what? Look at me. You know what I found out? Religious could, religion couldn't do it. Look at me. I went to Catholic school. I went to Episcopal school. I went to public school. I got kicked out of school. They had to figure out where I was going to go to school. By the time I graduated, I went to 15 different schools. You think you have problems with your children. You don't pray one like me. Oh, it's great to hear Pastor. But you didn't go through what Pastor, when my mama went through. You see, I'll just say this. In my journey, just like in yours, I didn't want to be religious. Just like you, you want the real thing. And guess what? He's seeking you. He's seeking you out. Lord, I don't know what direction. I don't know where to go. He's going, it's okay. Come on. He's the GPS of heaven. In fact, he invented GPS. He Google earthed you a long time ago. He knew where you were born. He knew where you would be. He knew what you would go through if you went down a certain path or made decisions. That's the thing about God. God loves you enough that he didn't make you do anything you don't want to do. And most of us get in our situations through our own choices. But here it is. When we choose, say, God, all of you, all of you, and none of me. That's when the work begins. Amen? Listen, if I've been strong today, I don't apologize. But I just say this. The truth is like salt. It burns a little bit, 
You're putting it on. How many of you have been in a crawfish bowl and they had salt on it? You know what I'm talking about on your finger. Smash And beer don't do any good pouring it on. But the salt, it stings. It's antiseptic. And it brings healing. Sometimes you go to God. It's not a Jimmy Buffett, you know, lost jigger or salt. It ain't like that. If you're lost, God's going to just run. Look for me. Look to be seen, and you'll see. How many of you want to see today? Thank you, Pastor Bubba. I, I want to see. I want to see. But God, but Pastor Bubba, I want God to see me. How many of you feel that way? God, I want him to see me. Some of you go, well, I don't want him to see me. You don't. No, I don't know, but he does. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Why don't everybody just stand up? Listen, I'm not some kind of academic guru, but I do have my PhD. Okay? I believe in preaching, I believe in healing, and I believe in deliverance. And let me tell you something. For this morning, some of you, through the preaching of God's word, is like the salt. Because God wants to bring healing in your life this morning. Amen? It's not just it's not running to an altar. It's standing where you are and say, God... I just want you to close your eyes. And then see, if you allow what God's speaking to you through the gospel, through the preaching of the word this morning, through his words, he will bring healing to your life. But here's the cool thing. He'll deliver you from the stinking thinking. He'll deliver you from that pain if you give it to him. And you won't have to live a dysfunctional life the rest of your life. Amen? He wants to take that dysfunction and he wants to heal you and make you whole. So just just close your eyes and as they sing, just lift your hands to heaven all over this place. I just want to pray for you. Can I do that? Father, this morning, we come. And Lord, we reposition ourselves this morning. We realize that, God, it's, we can't do it ourselves. But, God, we come to you. We look, Lord, you, we think that we got to go looking for you. But you've been looking for us to come at this moment, to come to that place. Just like Chris Smith on the video this morning, he had to go come to a place of realizing in order to find his life, he had to be willing to lose his life first. And, Lord, as we reposition ourselves... We come and we look for you, Jesus. And we know that we we just give you invitation. Lord, do whatever you want in our heart. Take away those things that have clouded our minds, that have caused that fog that we don't see clearly. And listening to voices and things or circumstances or having living by feelings rather than just living by faith and trusting you in our circumstances. This morning we come. And we invite you to bring that change that, need, that we long for. And Lord, we know that change happens when we determine that we want to change. So Lord, we invite you into the home of our heart, into our lives. You'd be the very center of our lives. The very center. Some of you have been off kilter. God's saying it's time to get put, put him right back at the center of your life. Not, not, where, you're, not where you've been going and where you're heading. It's caused, caused you to be out of balance. God's coming back to that place where he wants you, where he just wants to be the center of your life. Don't allow your circumstances. Don't allow what's happening in your life to, to, to redirect you. Just come this morning, say, God, be the center of my life. I want all of you. I want all of you. Just say when say, say this prayer with everybody in the church. Say, Lord Jesus, I want all of you. And none of me. 
none of the voices in this life, but your voice. That you would guide me. That you would lead me. You would send people in my life that would have a word for you. Even for my direction. For my correction. Lord, I love you. Come on, say it. Say, I love you. I want you more than I want anything. Be the center of my heart and all that I do. And Father, I pray that you would seal that. It wouldn't just be a repeated prayer. It would be the very cry of our hearts. It would allow you to change us. Lord, we thank you that change never stops. Lord, we thank you that we can take the time this morning and say, Lord, bring the change that you want to bring and that you've been trying to bring in our hearts today. I pray it right now over every person and every circumstance and every life here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.